was a different kind of kid. Past episodes have given you glimpses of my awkward early years. I just didn't fit in for a very long time. I have one of those last names that my teachers could never pronounce, and that made me an easy target. And I was interested in different things, too. I read different books. I listened to different music than my peers. The kids around me in grade four liked bands like Pink Floyd, and I liked, and to my detriment, unselfconsciously admitted that I liked ABBA and Neil Diamond. I might as well have told them I liked Nana Muscuri while I was at it. And where other kids were good at team sports, I was better at being off in my own world, which I frequently was. I had a penchant for sarcasm and quirky humor, too. I still do, though it gets me beaten up a little less these days. And in reaction to all of this, to being so unlike the other kids, I was teased and bullied, and the enduring lesson of my childhood, at least from my peers, was, you're different, and that's bad. I think many of us learn that same lesson early on, and things don't change much as we get older. In fact, in my experience, they intensify. High school only increased the stakes. We didn't have a lot of money as I grew up, so fashion was never something that I was guilty of. And in high school, you are what you wear. I never had the cool stuff, so I was never cool. For a while there, I took to wearing a gray tracksuit. And somewhere, there is a picture of me in gray sweats with a pink polo shirt. The ensemble only made complete with a Burberry's trench coat that, years later, I learned had been pulled from a dumpster by an eccentric step-aunt before being given to me. It should surprise no one that I was called Inspector Gadget for a year or two. And then I did such a dramatic about-face that they all started calling me GQ after the men's style magazine of the same name. I couldn't seem to win for trying. Each moniker was a reminder that I was different, and that was bad. It's not like I didn't know or wasn't learning the so-called rules of engagement. It's not that I was trying not to blend in. I would love to say I was just marching to the beat of my own drum, which I guess I was, but I really thought I was trying to be in sync with everyone else. (laughs) Turns out I just had no rhythm, though God knows I tried hard enough. Being different was too big a liability as a kid for me to just willingly dive headlong into it. Perhaps you can relate. We all tried so hard just to not stand out, didn't we? Just to keep our heads down. While some of us were more successful than others, I seem to be, and probably still am, in the remedial class for kids that just can't blend in. In his book, Modern Man in Search of a Soul, specifically the essay titled The Stages of Life, the psychiatrist Carl Gustav Jung eloquently puts his finger on the cost of these early lessons when he says, We wholly overlook the essential fact that the achievements which society rewards are won at a cost of the diminution of personality. I don't think I could sum up the struggle of my younger years any better than that. But here's the thing. Somewhere along the way, something changed, and all of those liabilities turned to assets. I stopped twisting my ankle on the weird topography of my own personality. I stopped, for the most part, being ashamed of the things that made me so painfully different. And here I'm talking about the whole package, not just my ill-advised and overly vocal affection for Neil Diamond. Those things and the ability to be different or be comfortable being different equipped me for roles that I never imagined I would be playing now. 
you're different and that's bad, somewhere along the line turn to you're different and that's good or useful. So what does that have to do with you and your own life of creativity? I'm David Dushman, and this is episode 77 of A Beautiful Anarchy. Let's talk about it. Wikipedia says that personality refers to individual differences in characteristic patterns of thinking, feeling, and behaving. The very things that are so often chipped away at in our earlier years, and if we're not careful to resist it, well into our later years. Individual differences in characteristic patterns of thinking, feeling, and behaving? What else is there? I mean, that's everything that makes us us. If that's the cost of blending in and having the bits that stick out get sanded smooth so that they're easier for others to accept or understand, then the cost is way too high. Later on in his Stages of Life essay, Jung talks about the lessons that are learned in one stage of life being unsuitable for later stages in life. He says, we can't live the afternoon of life according to the program of life's morning. For what was great in the morning will be little at evening, and what in the morning was true will at evening have become a lie. That was the idea that I wanted to camp out on in this conversation, that the creative life is one of constantly relearning our lessons, that there are stages in life, creative or otherwise, and that what works at one point in our life may not work in later stages And that one of those lessons, specifically, you're different and that's bad, is a lesson that many of us need to stop applying. It is a lesson that once made life easier, but never once made it better or deeper for those that took it to heart. But I don't think I'm going to get there right now because I am stuck on this idea of the diminution of personality and my growing suspicion that the role of the artist, no matter the discipline, is resistance, specifically, at least in this conversation, resistance against conformity and the voices that encourage it, first in and for ourselves, because look, if this isn't one of those put your own oxygen mask on before helping others kind of situations, then I don't know what is, but also for others. The creative life is a chance to amplify and explore differences, to learn from them, to draw upon them to celebrate them rather than fear them or mock them. It is a chance to encourage and celebrate the differences in our ways of thinking, feeling, and behaving that make us individuals, to find in those dissimilarities new ideas, emotions, and ways of doing things, all of which could be exciting new raw materials for artists looking for new stories, themes, or ways of working. If we have any hope of making art that pulls us forward rather than repeating what has been done before, any hope at all of being at home in our own quirky skin and finding in those quirks some fascinating contour to be loved and built upon rather than something to be hidden and of which we are ashamed, then it is to the differences that we need to look. It is by the differences that we and our work will be recognized not all the ways in which we conform. But it's not just that. I think art making is a form of leadership. It's a means by which we encourage our culture with what we make and how we make it to think in new ways. 
I think a life of everyday creativity is an opportunity to nudge our culture away from homogeny and sameness, to actively resist the diminution of personality, and so far as we have any say in it, to amplify the efforts of others to do the same. The whole idea of a beautiful anarchy, not the title of the podcast, but the idea itself is one of defiance, one of resistance. And while I think there are many directions in which that resistance can be applied, one of them must be a resistance to conformity, to sameness. As creators and artists, we are makers. And one of the things we have always made collectively, if not always as individuals, is change. Change makers, however, do not blend in. They not only do not believe that being different is bad, they believe different is what we need. That to make a difference, we need to be different. So I don't know what voices still rattle around in your head, the ones that point out all the ways you're not like everyone else. I don't know what kind of traumas, big or small, may have contributed, maybe even still contribute to the diminution of the individual differences in thinking, feeling, and behaving that make you, you. And I can't unspeak the words with which others have teased or mocked or belittled you, nor can I unhear the words spoken with those same intents to me. But I can tell you, you aren't alone. Look around and you'll see a lot of us, the ones that Apple in that now legendary 1997 Think Different campaign called the crazy ones. Here's to the crazy ones, it begins. The misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward and while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Different isn't bad. Different isn't even necessarily good. It's what you do with it. It's not only that you are different. It's whether you make a difference and how. And to those of you who have long lived comfortably with whatever it is that makes you different, thank you. Thank you for showing the rest of us that there's something beyond the fear of ridicule and the discomfort of not being the same as everyone else. Thank you for giving us hope and for making the things that enrich our lives, taking the risks to buck the trends and rock the boat, for doing what is new and unproven, and being willing to look foolish in the doing so. Thank you for resisting whatever forces that might have otherwise crammed you into a mold that didn't fit, and for giving us the courage to do the same as we try, in our own way, to make something beautiful. 